0: Happy Sunday, church. Let's look at Hosea 3. Now, it's a very short book, but it is a really significant book because this is the covenant between Yahweh and his people. And so this kind of encapsulates the entire book in just five short verses. So let's read through it together. It says, The Lord said to me, go and show love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, and though they turn to other gods and they love their sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethek of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not prostitute yourself or be intimate with any other man, and I will live with you. For the Israelites will live many days without a king or a prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or without idol. Afterwards, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. Now, this is a hugely significant five verses because it because one of the things that you find with prophetic words is there is an immediate impact. So what we find is the reestablishment of relationship with Goma. But then in the medium term, what is going to happen is a reestablishment of relationship with the Israelites. And then obviously there is a larger eschatological at, uh, work at play here, which is the uh return and the restoration of all things to God. And so when we look at things like this, it's important to see the layers of what is unfolding. And, and you, we often think to ourselves, you know, being a prophet is a really good thing. But think for 25 years, we have Hosea parroting the relationship of Israel to God that he has with Goma. And, and it, it's a sad one. Goma has gone to be in a relationship with other people. So badly so that the, the situation is, is that Hosea is going to have to buy her out of slavery. Now, this isn't kind of elaborated upon, and so the suggestion is maybe that she fell into poverty, maybe she gave herself into sexual slavery to survive, Um, But we don't really get all the context in this. Perhaps she is a temple prostitute. Whatever it is, it's the uncomfortable reality of Goma's decisions that have left her in the predicament that she is in. And this actually corresponds with what Israel is going through is this desire to be in a relationship with the Egyptians or with the Babylonians has left them in a quandary that they have elected to go after the 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 gods of Baal, or Baal, however you might say it, um, rather than first to be in a relationship with God, that they find themselves in this predicament. And so this is what unfolds. Now, if we if we step through this passage, there's a few really important things. Um, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. A reminder that Yahweh may be distant, but he is not completely absent. Yahweh may have removed his blessing and his privilege and his honor of those he calls sons and daughters, but he is not completely absent because he still loves Israel. And though they turn to other gods, which specifically for the book of Hosea is the God of Baal, and they love for sacred raisin cakes. Now, this is this is really interesting because raisins are like a superfood for Israel, right? Like raisins actually are nourishing and restorative of energy. And so raisin cakes in and of themselves aren't the bad thing. But these are consecrated raisin cakes. And and consecrated food by another god is a really bad thing. And this is one of the things that that God is trying to unpack for Israel. There is one god, and that is Yahweh. And anything else that is dedicated to another god is is not worthy of the followers of Yahweh. And so Hosea actually goes in and, and buys... Goma back 15 shekels of silver is typically indicative of the purchase price of a slave. But the thing is, is it doesn't have enough. And so he has to pull together a Homer, Homer and a lethek of barley. A Homer is the, is the largest dry measurement that the Israelites use. And a lethek is about half a Homer. And, and this is thrown in to uh, assume that he can now purchase back Goma. Now, the thing is, is it's not a whole bunch of money. Because if we if we look in Exodus 21, 30 shekels of silver is actually the purchase price. And so Hosea has to actually make up the difference with barley. And it's not a big purchase price. It's not an expensive price. But it's one that Goma cannot pay herself. Now, as a result of this, we see the covenant. We see the covenant that is formed. And the first thing about a covenant is a proviso. So what are the ground rules for for us re-entering into a relationship? You are to live with me many days. You must not prostitute yourself or be intimate with any other man, and I will live with you. And this is the same for Israel, is that you are going to be absent without a king or a prince or a sacrifice or sacred stones without ephod and without idols. And if you do that, I'm going to return to you, okay? So afterwards, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord, the God, the king, uh, um, David, the king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. There will be a restoration. And this is the thing that I have been grappling with for us is that, one of the challenges of faith is a desire to hedge our bets. We'll say stuff like "we're a hundred percent in with God," but then we have a desperate desire to have a stable job and a stable income and a stable secure. Like we we put down all these secure foundations as a as an underpinning for that. That that we want to be all in with God, but we've also got to wrestle out the practicalities of day-to-day life. And and what often happens is we, we kind of hedge our bets. We hedge our bets between Yahweh and the world. We hedge our bets between wanting to have an eternity with God, but also, you know, let's let's not be crazy. Let's also ensure that we have, have set ourselves up for a comfortable life. And this is the narrative that we probably play out day to day is, is how can we give the most to God, but also make sure that we're living in the world comfortably, safely. It's, it's kind of the thing that, Yahweh struggling with the Israelites is, hey, there's one God and that's me. And they're like, yeah, totally. But it's really important that we have soldiers and horses and armies. And, you know, like it's not bad for us to be in a relationship with the other, you know, tribes around us. And if that means that we have to kind of, you know, worship some of their gods, that's okay, right? And god's saying, no, it's not. You are a precious son and daughter and I need you to be 100% in with me. Trust that I'm going to make provisions and that I'm going to bless you and that I'm going to make your fields grow because this is what we're going to see is that as we kind of move away from Hosea 3, 4 through 10 is a whole bunch of woes. These are narratives and stories of how Israel and Judah have a blessing removed from them. And as a result of that, um, children aren't born and uh, crops don't grow and persecution comes. God has removed those blessings and and what he's trying to drive them back to is a one-on-one a monogamous relationship with him if you could just be faithful to me only and nobody else then we can make this work it's it's a paltry sum of money paid for goma it's nothing And Hosea goes out and pays it and Hosea welcomes her back into the home and they are back in a relationship. Why? To stand as a testimony to Israel. God has not left the room. And maybe like me, you got the news this week and you saw the rhetoric that we may be in lockdown until the end of October. And you were like, that sucks. I was meant to go on a ski trip. I was meant to go away with mum and the family and celebrate her birthday. We were meant to go away with a whole bunch of families in the local community. And just have fun together and it's all gone. And you go... What are we doing? And I, I can't help but wonder if through this God is desperately trying to strip back the layers and the things that we hedge our bets with and ask you a really simple question. What is most important? What is most important? Is it the job? Is it the career? Is it the stability? Or is it Yahweh? Is it the nice cars? Is it the nice house? Is it the nice area? Or is it Yahweh? Is it the retirement fund? Is it the value of the property? Or is it Yahweh? What is the thing that is most important in your life, if we peel away the layers and we strip it back, does Yahweh sit front and center? I've been in a lot of churches, in a lot of different denominations. And the thing I keep on coming back to is that I'm in this for Jesus. Jesus. The person who I get most excited about in scripture is Jesus. The person who I am most thrilled about is Jesus. And I don't want to dress it up with pomp and fanciness. I want to get back to that, that kind of John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whomsoever shall, shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There is a real bold simplicity to the invitation. Jesus is not absent. He is no longer distant. Because of his death and resurrection, there is a restoration of relationship, that a reconciliation has taken place that stands the depth of time. Romans picks up on this. Neither height nor depth nor anything in all of creation shall separate us from the love that we have in Christ Jesus. That's what I want. And it's so easy to get distracted. Raisin cakes are okay, but when they're sacred because they're dedicated to other gods, it's not good. And I don't, I don't want to be the guy that is distracted by something else and I miss the main point which is people coming to know or love Jesus. And I feel like the season we're in is that reminder. This, this honestly hasn't stopped us from doing church. It stopped us from meeting in a room on a Sunday, but it hasn't stopped us from doing church. I've had richer and deeper conversations with that neighborhood because of this. I've had more time to think and contemplate my relationship with Jesus because of this. And I wonder if there is a parallel between us feeling like we're wandering in the wilderness and a chasm that has opened up between us and the importance of Jesus. So let's... Close the gap, close the gap, and get back to what's most important, which is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, it's five verses, but what you teach us is to be in a relationship with you that what you long for is to have the Israelites come back and be restored, you as their king. Lord, we invite you. We proclaim you as king of our lives. Jesus, we proclaim you as king of our lives. Holy Spirit, restore us, renew us, Empower us and encourage us. Help us to close that gap, Lord. Help us to keep you most important. Lord, when we see those blessings in our lives, let us celebrate you and what you have orchestrated through it, Lord, that this might be all about you. Amen. Thanks, Jim, uh, team, for joining us today. Um, just a quick reminder that at 12 p.m. today, we're doing a interchurch prayer meeting on Zoom. We'd love you to join. Uh, we're hoping to have a few of the other churches come together. Specifically, we just want to pray against COVID. We want to pray for our communities. Um, Anne's done a really amazing job pulling a lot of this together, and we just want to say thanks for that, Anne. Um, and we'd love you to be a part of that. There is a Zoom link that went out in the email and also in the text Um, please use it. We'd love to see you there. And thanks for joining us at church. I'll see you again soon.